0: Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or Keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Teach your hidden financial fears with a blasted sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabe S Dun. Hello, I'm Gabe S Dunn. I'm your host. Welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. Hello, hello. For those listening and watching on the Patreon, my dog is still here. Say hello, Beanie. Oh, a little kiss on his head. My old neighbor used to say, bless his pointed head, which I think meant that she thought he was a stupid dog, which he is. He's, he's very cute and there's no brains. So welcome to the show. This is our mailbag episode where we read your emails and listen to your voice memos and your comments. So first thing I want to do is say that we did a breakdown and takedown three weeks ago of the movie Blank Check. And I am still getting comments about it. We did the episode with Carly Usten, and I just want to read some of the Instagram comments we got on BWM Pod about this movie. So one of them was: "I learned only recently this was one of Michael Jackson's favorite movies. He saw this and had the director make the widely panned, maligned trailer for his album History." Okay, that's that is a, that is certainly a a bit of trivia. Then someone wrote, wow, thanks for the flashbacks. I had successfully blocked this out now and I have to listen to the podcast. And then they came back a little bit later and said, sigh, it was a really good podcast. (laughs) Thank you. My friend Stacy wrote, oh, my God, I rewatched this in deep COVID lockdown and was absolutely horrified, like truly did not remember how bad it was that ending. Building Bread, an old guest of ours, Kevin Matthews, if you want to go listen to his episode, said, this is why I don't watch old movies for nostalgia. A lot of that stuff was crazy. All right, then another friend of mine, and we talked about this. Yes, big correction. I say that the guy who plays the uncle or the guy who plays the driver in this movie is the Canadian John Candy. But actually, John Candy was also Canadian. So huge, huge Apology to the John Candy fandom. The, the I assume they call themselves the John Fandies, And I, I am sorry, but yes, he is Canadian himself. Someone else said, remember when my financial literacy teacher played this for us in high school? Just me. That's a crazy thing that happened. <laughs> okay. Someone else wrote, I'm not kidding. This got so much response. Like what other 90s movie do you want me to watch? Because people loved it. Just watched this movie over the weekend and my boyfriend and I were definitely weirded out that the adult female love interest was giving the 10 year old boy the eyes, went on a date with him, dressed all sexy. Like, what is going on here? Didn't even connect with us when we were kids. And then someone said, Oh, and then someone recommended don't forget about Richie Rich. So yeah, maybe I'll watch Richie Rich. If you guys, I, I haven't seen that movie in so long. So if you guys want me to watch Richie Rich, let me know. I I don't know what I would think of it at this point in my life, but it does seem like it's on the level of what we want to be talking about on this show. Another nice thing that someone said about our episode with Tori Dunlap, this person on Instagram said, loved this episode. Tori gives so much good info. I wish I'd had when I started freelancing 10 years ago. And I wrote, same. That episode is so smart, so good. Give it a listen. It's with Tori Dunlap. We've done two with her. One was a takedown of Dave Ramsey. And one was just a, a regular interview with her, which I had wanted to do ever since because I forced her to do that takedown. And I feel like I was like, let's do a real interview. Then we also did an episode about, well, we've done a lot of talking on this show about getting paid for job assignments. And my friend Keely actually left a really great comment saying that actors are legally owed compensation for auditions for roles they don't book, which is very true. And so there's an Instagram called Auditions Our Work which you should go and follow. Also, hashtag booked is another really good Instagram to follow. And basically, like right now, as we're doing this episode, the WGA is on strike and SAG-AFTRA is on strike or about to be on strike. This is all related to like what we've been talking about with like take-home assignments and unfair working conditions and not getting paid for work that studios are making money off of. Friends of mine who are actors have had like 24 hours to prepare 18 pages. Like, it's so unfair. And so, yeah, I'm, I thank you, Keeley, for bringing that up and for connecting those dots. OK, here is an email from Jennifer. Quitting is good. I just listened to the quitting is good episode. And boy, can I relate. I've been at my job that I love for over 10 years now. I've been very happy with the company and leadership. Last year, I applied to be the director of my department after being encouraged to do so by my supervisor. I did not get the position. Instead, I was given a made-up, consolation, smaller bump in pay and title. However, over the last year, they have been adding more and more to my expected duties, and now I am doing nearly all the duties of a director while the actual director barely knows what he is doing. I also had a teammate quit, and I had to carry a double caseload for about two months. My new director asked how he could help, but he can't. He doesn't know how to do my job. I am burnt out. I can barely get through the day at work and then I have a four-year-old at home that I need to take care of. I can barely function. About a month ago, we decided to sell our house, pay off all our debts, over 70K in student loans, and move to Spain. Cost of living is so much more affordable there and I needed a change of scenery. My husband is looking for a remote job now. Once that is secured, off we go. Until then, I am trudging away at this job I resent. Thank you for reading, Jennifer. On an unrelated note, I was listening to some older episodes of JBU and you were talking about parents feeling a sense of ownership over their children. My son had long hair that I was quite attached to. I was nervous for the day he asked to have it cut. Hearing your talk about that ownership parents feel is just what I needed. Less than a week later, he asked to have his hair cut short. I always intended to honor his wishes about his body, but that change in mindset made it so easy. Thank you. I am on a one man crusade for, for, People letting children have autonomy over their bodies. Like this is, again, like you want to talk about like things that I'm like on about, which like I understand if you're a longtime fan, I get on about things and then I stick to them for a while and you just kind of have to ride that roller coaster with me. Warren Buffett's one of them. Children having ownership over their own bodies and their own images, especially online, but also in real life, that's burrowed into my brain right now. And hopefully we're going to do a Just Between Us episode about it with if you want to watch TikToks about it, Mom Uncharted is a great resource. I'm obsessed with her. I hope she comes on the show. You know, it might seem like she's fear-mongering, but she's not. So thank you, Jennifer, for saying that. That makes me feel really happy that that it affected you and your son's relationship positively. And like, I really appreciate that. And I can't wait for you to move to Spain. That's going to be so awesome. I I had a very good, I went to Madrid one time. I was very drunk the whole time. And I was 20 24. Uh, But Madrid, wow, what a good time. You know, they eat dinner very late there. Everyone knows that about Spain. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Indeed.com slash bad with money, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time-consuming. I'm sure you guys know. You've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements, I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/badmoney. That's m-o-n-a-r-c-h-m-o-n-e-y.com/badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen, I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies, like, probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain, I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies. It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for discount so you can live Claritin clear. Okay, this is an email from a teacher, which is something I requested. Hi Gabe, I am a teacher in Massachusetts. Education is valued here and taxes are high, so we get paid reasonably well. Property taxes determine school budgets, so that's a thing. When I was interviewing for teaching jobs, I was usually expected to teach a trial lesson for a group of students I have never met. I had to take the day off work and bring my own supplies. Try making a tote bag full of supplies look professional. You are also expected to bring a teaching portfolio of data, lesson samples, and anything else relevant. I have been teaching since 2016, and yes, behavior has been challenging since 2020. I think it's because it caused students to question the purpose of education. A lot of my district schools are also super behind on testing and creating plans for students with special needs. I suspected this might be the case. I think the pandemic really did this. So thank you for writing in about this. That being said, things were challenging before the pandemic too. Aha, okay, interesting. It was just that people outside education were not paying attention. Okay, that's on me. At my old job, I had a stool thrown at my head, broke up fights and had to evacuate a school due to a gas leak. To be fair, that was an 1800s building. You know, I went and visited a school when I was writing my book. I went to visit a school and the school was falling apart, like absolutely falling apart. And there was like no like plan or hope. You can, you, you can read about it in my book. The students there were incredible. I loved the students. I, I interviewed a roundtable of them about like their generation and I got to put that in the book and they were, they were all so smart and so like, realistic without being pessimistic. But yes, thank you for saying that things were were a certain way before the pandemic too. I do appreciate that. The United States is a very adultist culture. We didn't even ratify the UN's rights for children. They can't work, but need to buy lunch and they can't vote, but politicians make huge decisions about their lives. I would throw a stool once in a while too. After switching jobs to a new position, teaching art and carpentry, my job is actually great. I get paid more than I could ever imagine. Maybe it doesn't seem like a lot to you, but for me, it's good. I love teaching. My students love talking about superheroes, animals, and philosophy. They have their priorities straight. Have you ever taught a first grader how to use a hammer? How about 25 kids? I think my job is skilled labor. Love the pod. I hope I gave you something fun to react to. P.S. Attached is my city's salary chart for teachers. It's based on a combo of years and education credits. I think every district has to publish these. Ooh, okay. So let's look at the salary table. Okay, salary table for 2021-2022 school year. And then it says 2.5 increase. So it looks like for, if you have a BA, it goes from 50K to 80K. If you, and then it keeps going to, if you're like higher education, if you have a, a higher degree, it goes from 71 to 106. That's not bad. I don't know if I'm reading this correctly. Maybe I'll post this to the Patreon with along with what I'm saying now because I don't want to post it super publicly in case this person doesn't want me to. I'll cut off identifying information, okay, and I'll just do Patreon but if you if you hear this and you go, "No, take it down, I'll take it down. okay, Hi, Gabe. I've been watching your content since the BuzzFeed days all the way from Portugal. Wow, we got Portugal and Spain. Ooh, okay. I think you might enjoy reading about an international personal perspective on the current housing crisis. I'm reaching my mid-20s, and up until now, I feel like I've made the best career decisions I could have. I'm a law graduate pursuing a master's in tax law, and I already have a job lined up at a multinational company. Oh my God, do you want to come talk on this podcast slash host this podcast? Okay. It's not the type of job I've ever imagined, having immigrant parents with a background in science and education. It comes with benefits like health insurance, a phone plan, free breakfast and snacks, the possibility of working from home two days a week, et cetera, et cetera. And yet I can't afford to move out. Rent prices have skyrocketed in the last decade due to gentrification and the appeal Lisbon started having for digital nomads over the last few years. Please bear in mind that most people here don't even earn 30K euros a year. My parents used to pay 600 euros for a two-bedroom apartment 30 minutes from their job in the city center, yet today a single room easily costs 500 euros a month. And buying seems completely unattainable, of course. Even if I had money for a down payment on a ridiculously overpriced apartment, interest rates have been rising for the last year with a significant impact on mortgages. On top of that, the quality of public health care and transportation has been slowly but steadily declining since the 2008 crisis, which doesn't help matters. Oh, that's interesting. That is an interesting thing to factor in. So moving away from the city sounds absolutely hellish, especially because housing prices don't really go down that much. In this scenario, I can't help but feel extremely disappointed because I expected my career choices would prevent me from struggling financially, yet I'd be lucky to find a room for less than half my future take-home pay. And I can't help but be envious of friends from more privileged positions, whose parents pay their rent or who live in apartments owned by their family. Up until now, I could at least pretend we were on equal footing, but truly some people's salary have little to do with their actual quality of life. In our culture, it is normal to live with our parents for much longer than in the US, but I'm definitely reaching the limit considering rising tensions at home. And yeah, yay, life. I love my country and I don't want to leave, but it sure seems to be kicking us out to make room for more wealthy expats. Best regards, Anna Sheher. Wow, wild to read that after the episode about, about someone moving to Spain. Well, you can't say we don't have a lot of perspectives on this show, but I don't know if the person that wrote in before is necessarily wealthy and Spain and Portugal are different countries. Ooh, ooh, right in. I want more information about this kind of thing. Quick math. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible, and the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney, netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. NetSuite.com slash badwithmoney. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by The Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com/disclosures for details. Okay, so here's our last email. It's a little long, but this will cap us off. This is your clergy economist listener again. I'm afraid that you misled listeners today when you said that stocks were like bonds. Okay, good, yes. I think my boyfriend mentioned this as well, so I, I love to be corrected. There are similarities, but they are different in fundamental and legal ways. I'm not an expert in this area, so please believe that the following are basics. It's a little long because I don't wanna use jargon. Bonds. A bond is an IOU. As you noted, when you buy a bond, you are lending funds to the issuer, whether the issuer is a firm or a government. The bond you buy is actually a promise to repay that loan in accordance with some schedule stated on the bond. It is typically possible for you to sell this IOU, this bond, on a secondary market where someone buying the bond from you makes no alteration in the issuer's accounts, just in yours. In that case, you receive funds to compensate you for the promised repayments you relinquish. There is one type of bond called a console, that offers a stream of payment for an infinitely long period of time, which expires only if that the issuer purchases it back. At that point, no one outside the firm government holds a repayment promise. These scarcely exist in today's world. Most bonds offer payments over a finite time horizon. Then they're done. Sometimes a bond issuer fails to repay, just like any borrower. The less likely it seems that the issuer will fulfill the promise, the less the bond can be sold or resold for. Should a bond issuer go bankrupt and no asset or debt restructuring be done, their assets will be sold and those that borrowed from, banks or bondholders, are paid off fully or partially. If fully, only after that do holders of the firm's stock, if the issuer was a firm, get any revenue from the sale. Now, stocks. That's because a stock is a different thing. When you buy a stock from a previous stockholder or from the issuing firm, firms only, you are buying a share of the stream of profits generated by the firm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this sense, you own a chunk of the firm. Some stocks also give holders rights to vote on the firm's board of directors, which votes on the firm's management. And some give the holder claims on the firm's assets, plant, equipment, land, patents. Back in the day, or even now, if you somehow held stock in a company that's not done the paperwork to be designated limited liability, shareholders are also responsible for firm debts. Beyond just losing value when share prices decline. Why do firms sell stocks? That is, claims to the stream of profits they generate? Typically in order to get the firm access to funds to pay for current or future production, current bills for labor, patent use, rent, etc. currently due, or funding new plant and equipment or research. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're explaining this much better than, than I did. I, I I sort of was saying this, but this is this is much better, like this is a much more thorough explanation. A firm could fund those activities by taking out a loan, whether by issuing bonds or getting bank loans, or by using funds held by the firm. It's a decision. There are a variety of factors that go into the firm's decision of finance method, and I'm not an expert. But when people choose whether to buy a firm's stock, the higher they expect that firm's stream of income to be, the more they're willing to pay for the stock. A firm's income streams can be distributed to to shareholders in the form of dividends, or they can be reinvested in the firm by being used towards future production that will, one hopes, generate future income streams. Either affects how much shares of stock can be resold or sold for. The higher the dividends or the reinvestment, the higher the price the stock will be. But that's just how the stream of profits gets distributed. So when a firm issues stock and sells it, you can see that they sell claims to their future income. Whereas when previously issued stock is sold on the secondary market, the issuing firm's balance sheet is not directly affected. They get no payment. However, if a bunch of people suddenly start selling a particular stock without a matching bunch of people beginning to want to buy it, the price the stock trades at will fall, right? You guys get that. Like not I'm saying, Gabe is saying this, that you guys understand that, I hope, because we've talked about a lot on the show. But if you're new, that's the crux of it. When the price of previously issued stock falls, the firm correctly anticipates a decrease in what it can sell freshly issued stock for, bonds versus stocks and debt versus equity. So bonds are debt that typically has a known dollar amount payoff stream and has an innately finite life, at which point the firm's obligations are reduced. Stocks, on the other hand, shares of ownership in the firm and infinitely lived unless the firm buys them back, which reduces the firm's obligations and typically raises the price of outstanding shares to the benefits of holders. Laws of firm financial obligation are not the same for bonds and for stocks. Bonds and stocks are treated differently in tax law. Okay, I hope that made sense to all of you guys because it helped me, but I will be listening to this back. Okay, to wrap up, money. When you hear news about the Federal Reserve System or monetary policy, you are hearing the word money used in a technical sense, whereas in the street, people say money and mean to talk about what economists will call income, wealth, assets, or value. This might not seem to matter, but it does if or when you care about the issue of monetary policy. Just as someone who insists that when they say virus, they mean any sort of infectious disease is probably not going to be able to give useful medical advice for, say, dysentery as opposed to polio or opposed to necrotic strep or opposed to COVID. People who don't want to distinguish money in an economist sense from other stuff probably aren't going to offer useful analysis of Fed policy. I won't bother you with this now, but in case you're interested, I'm here. This is relevant to MMT or the trillion dollar coin, or why not just print more money? Yours, Marianne. And then MMT is something that we were talking about, which is modern monetary theory, which I think we want to do an episode about actually. So thank you so much, Marianne, for writing in. That was all incredibly helpful. And hopefully we'll just do a whole episode about it. Um, if you want to write into Bad With Money, you can do so at GabeIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com. You can also uh, comment on at BWMPod or, uh, or at Gabe S Dunn on Instagram. Patreon is uh, where you can watch this and maybe see some of the stuff that I'm going to post is uh, at patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. Send me a voice memo because reading a lot of this stuff out loud is hard for me because I'm on testosterone. Also, if you want to join the Discord, we'll put the link below. I haven't looked at the Discord in a bit. I'm going to take a look at it. Um, I've been absent. Uh, I've been a bad Discord parent. Okay, I think that's everything. Um, Love you guys. Bye. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual. Produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M. Print Productions. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Coco Lorenz. And music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you, love you, bye!